make your garden twice as big this summer and get twice the harvest. Right now, get two Bonnie plants, 2.32 quart vegetable and herb plants for only $10. Their ready-to-grow starter plants make growing vegetables and herbs at home easier than ever before. Make your garden twice as big this summer and enjoy homegrown fresh vegetables and herbs with Bonnie plants, two for just $10. Feels like 4th of July savings at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Selection varies by store, in-store only, not available offshore or Alaska. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www xzoneradiotv.com Why do I feel like I'm losing control? The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, Exonation. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 
Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Dr. David Gruder, and he is perhaps the world's only clinical and business psychologist specializing in integrity intelligence. His most recent book, The New IQ, How in, uh, Integrity Intelligence Serves You, Your Relationships, and Our World, has been embraced across the political and faith spectrums and has won six awards in the area of current events in politics and society, social change, conscious business and leadership, health and wellness, self-help and transformational psychology. Dr. Gruder speaks, trains, and consults worldwide with leaders in business, government, education, and helping professions on how to create sustainable happiness, business success, and social change without sacrificing personal integrity or social responsibility. He is also currently writing his next book on this topic, and his website is www thenewiq.com and uh, Dr. David Gruder, welcome back to the X-Zone. Dave, always great well, having you with us. Thanks so much, Rob. It's always a pleasure to be with you. David, um, let's see, there's so much in the news that I wanted to talk to you about, but I, I, one of the main things I'd like to talk to you about in this first part of our, our interview is the social ramifications and psychological ramifications of all this texting that is going on. Now you go It's going, quite an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? It certainly is. You know, uh, the way I see it is people are going to stop communicating. Well, they're communicating using text, but, you know, this, this new lingo that is coming out that kids are using, uh, OMG, LOL, LMAO, and the rest of it, what is this going to do psychologically to our kids, and how is this going to affect them in the future? Well, uh, it's... It's hard to completely predict, and I think that uh, that one of the challenges that we've known about mm-hmm. for a long time with technology is that when a technology develops that catapults our capabilities uh, forward in, uh, in a significant way, uh, that there's a period of time of kind of intoxication with that technology, with that latest toy or that latest innovation, and the technology itself is very frequently neutral. It, it, it's neither good nor bad, but, uh, but it gets to be abused and used well and, uh, and gradations in between those two. And so what we're in the midst of right now, I think, is that period of intoxication with this new technology in which people are in the process of discovering how to best use texting in good ways mm-hmm. and uh, and when texting goes overboard and and all of those things. We're in an exploratory process. All right, Peter, please stand by. You and I have to... I'm sorry, uh, David, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. We'll be back in two minutes. Dr. David Gruder is my guest this hour. Peter Wolford was my guest last hour. Dr. Gruder and I will continue here in the X-Zone on the other side of this commercial break. His website is www.thenewiq.com.
Dr. David Gruder is my special guest, Exxon Nation. He is the author of The New IQ, How Integrity Intelligence Serves You, Your Relationships, and Our World. His website is www.thenewiq.com. David, we were talking very briefly about the new technology of texting. Um, my question is to you, as someone who, who specializes in integrity intelligence, how do you see texting affecting one's integrity and intelligence? <laughs> well, uh, with, with over-texting, mm-hmm. uh, there's some really interesting research that's, uh, that's coming out that's indicating that uh, teens who text are lighting up the same areas of their brain as an addict who uses heroin. <laughs> so um, uh, texting can easily become yet the latest anesthesia. Uh, I don't think there's something particularly special about texting mm-hmm. in that regard in the sense that we can use anything in the whole wide world for uh, numbing out if that's what our intention is or for avoiding life if that's what our intention is. And uh, I think that with kids in particular, uh, as texting has become so, so popular, um, kids are, uh, many kids are losing more and more time out of their day and out of their lives uh, through texting. And when texting or any other uh, behavior becomes a problem is when we're doing that behavior so much of the time that we end up neglecting other parts of our lives in order to feed that habit. And, of course, that's why we're talking about texting today. We're talking about texting problems because there are more and more people who are abusing texting in that way. How do you know if you're abusing texting, and how would one know if you're addicted to it? Mm -hmm. Well, the the, uh, abuse of texting and the addiction process, uh, abuse, first of all, Mm -hmm. is where I'm doing texting to such an extent that I'm noticing that there isn't enough time left in my day for other things that are important for my well-being or important for my relationships or important for my career uh, that, are, that are important for my life balance. And any behavior that I'm doing excessively, excessively meaning at the expense of other things that are important for my balance and well-being, I'm abusing that particular thing. Uh, Where something becomes an addiction is where a behavior starts to feel involuntary, where a person starts to report that they, uh, that, that it almost feels like a compulsion, that they can't stop texting, for example, or stop with whatever their anesthesia is. Um, that that they just can't refrain from doing it, and if they if they try to refrain, they can only go for so long before they cave back in again and start doing that behavior again. As a professional, do you agree with kids being allowed to use their iPods, their iPads, and other handheld devices to do texting while they're in school? <laughs> while they're in school, no, yes. I I don't agree with uh, with using those devices in school. I don't uh, agree with using any kind of method that diverts our attention from our primary activities. So when we're in school, we're supposed to be learning. Mm-hmm. When we're at work, we're supposed to be working. And anything that, uh, that interferes with or diminishes our learning process or our work product is, uh, is something that should be refrained from. I can't get over the lack of attention that is being placed on these handheld devices 
by the uh, by the schools and parents as well since that these these handheld devices such as cell phones uh, use microwaves and microwaves are very dangerous if you pull into a gas station it tells you to shut off your cell phone that should be a hint to people putting this device up to your head and using it is dangerous now why don't people clue into this or does the does the fascination and the fixation with the texting and the use of a cell phone override any ability to be sensible when it comes to self-preservation? It's a great question that you're asking. We could be asking the identical question of uh, around why do people eat junk food when mm-hmm. it's uh, when it's horrible for them. And I think it's a combination of uh, of personal denial, a, a sense of uh, well, uh, th- those those things may be a problem, but they won't be a problem for me. Uh, a combination of that plus the uh, prevailing attitude in our society uh, being one that says uh, don't don't pay attention to that research, don't pay attention to the evidence, for example, of uh, microwave impact on the brain. Uh, that that's not really credible research. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Everything's fine. So the combination of internal denial and self-serving, plus uh, plus those kinds of messages on a societal level, give people an opportunity to just justify being harmful to themselves while well, pretending that they're not being. What I'm noticing, not only as a talk show host or someone in in the media or broadcasting. But as a dad and a grandfather, is that people, and I'll give you a perfect example, one of our daughters, instead of picking up the phone, has gotten into the texting habit. And I get irate if, you know, for goodness sake, pick up the phone so I can talk to you. I, you know, texting is okay, but geez, give it a break. Pick up the phone and talk. You get all these little symbols, all these little funninesses, all these little abbreviations. Are are the kids of the future actually going to f- forget how to communicate verbally? Well, <laughs> I certainly hope not. And I don't I really don't believe that they will because I don't I don't really see how society can continue to function and the workplace mm-hmm. can continue to function if we abandon our capacity to communicate verbally. Uh, I think that we may go through a period of time where we're struggling with the overuse of these methods, but I don't think it's sustainable. And I think that the question that you're raising goes to the issue of right use of texting. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you only have a quick moment, when I have a quick moment and I want to tell my wife uh, I love her, uh, it's, it's much easier for me and for her for me to just simply text I-L-Y for I love you um, than, uh, than any other medium. On the other hand, if I start texting ILY as a substitute for he- our voices hearing each other and our hearts touching each mm-hmm. other, that's when I'm misusing what texting can do. I'll give you an example. I know of a family where instead of calling out, Supper's ready, come and get it, the mother will text all the members of her family within her house. Like, isn't that going to the extreme, David? It could be. It also could be a functional adaptation. For example, if she knows that her kids are, are, uh, have headphones in mm-hmm. uh, because they're gaming or they're 
uh, or maybe they're really doing legitimate homework by uh, and working on the internet on homework, they won't hear her voice, but they'll see the text. But if they're on the internet and the and their cell phone or their iPad or their iPod or whatever they're using is on another desk, their attention is focused on the computer screen. So Absolutely, what's the what's but the you difference? Can bet be- that it's not going to be on another desk. <laughs> I've got an iPod and I it's a uh-huh. BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm at home, it's it's at the front door. I, I don't carry it with me 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. It's a tool to me. Exactly. That's what these things, that's what technology is meant to be. It's mm-hmm. meant to be a tool. And when a new technology comes on board, like I was saying earlier, yes. we go through a time of intoxication with a new toy. We better outgrow that intoxication initially or we're in trouble. You know, I... I, um, I, but, I yeah, I, I remember ahead. when schools used to have computer labs, and that was the thing. If your school had a computer lab, my lord, you were in heaven. And now we have schools giving out iPods to the students to communicate with each other when it comes to school projects. So or iPads, you mean? Yeah, iPads, yeah. as well as their schools in the United States that are giving out the um, uh, the cell phones that laptops not only laptops, but cell phones that kids can actually uh, text each other with during school, during classes, asking each other questions instead of paying attention to what's on the board or the teacher. Now, is this us allowing technology to to get ahead of us and to start allowing technology uh, technology to create the path of our evolution? Or is this, like you're saying, just the the beginning phase where everybody goes a little goo goo gaga. Well, your question is perfect because it's the tail wagging the dog, and when the tail's mm-hmm. wagging the dog, that's where we get into trouble. I mean, you're you're well acquainted with the famous quote from Einstein a long time ago, where Einstein talked about, uh, in terms of uh, nuclear energy, he talked about how our technology had expanded at a far faster rate than our consciousness mm-hmm. had, and until our ethics and our integrity catch up with our technology, our technology runs the risk of destroying us. I believe that technology is an asset. It's, it is what we need in order to go from this state of our evolution to the next. We need to grow with it. We can't afford to allow technology to take the lead because I think this is where the danger comes. And yep. with the massive influx of modern-day technology that children, business, the family unit has available to them, I think we're looking at a bit of serious trouble if we don't take control. Yes, and in order to take control, I think that the focus primarily needs to be on articulating what right use of mm-hmm. texting is. Instead of only focusing on, on the abuse and on the misuse, let's, let's identify what right use looks like. All right, let's talk about that when we come back from this news break, David. Dr. David Gruder is my special guest, a good friend of the Exxon. He is the author of The New IQ, How Integrity Intelligence Serves You, Your Relationships, and Our World. His website, www.thenewiq.com. Dr. David Gruder and I return on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. And uh, 
don't bother texting me because I'm not going to get it. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. .exoneradiotv.com Nation, Dr. David Gruder is my special guest. He's the author of The New IQ, How Integrity Intelligence Serves You, Your Business, and Our World, www.thenewiq.com. David, what are some of the positive aspects of texting? Well, let's, uh, let's go over a list of, uh, okay. of ways that texting can be used in a, in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. One would be if I'm in a setting where, uh, where it's silent and where talking on the phone uh, would interrupt silence, but where I'm not interrupting myself or something I'm involved with in order to correspond with someone. If I want to be in correspondence under that circumstance, I really only have two alternatives. I have email or texting. And so in a situation like that where I want to communicate with someone and I can't do it verbally, then nonverbal communication is a wonderful asset. Um, another use for texting is to just simply find out if someone's available. So uh, texting someone to find out, are you available for a phone call mm-hmm. right now? Um, another is, uh, is just uh, a, a quick kind of surprise treat, like I was mentioning earlier, where Lori will sometimes, my wife will sometimes uh, send me a text just simply that says, I-L-Y-S-M, I love you so much. And we both know what that abbreviation means, and it's a very sweet thing to see in the middle of the day. And she sends it at a time when she knows that she or I aren't available for having a phone conversation because we're each busy with what we're busy with during the day. Um, Another is uh, where there's a a message that needs to be communicated uh, that's a a written message, but it's, it's... short enough so that email is probably too cumbersome to deal with, so you send a quick uh, a quick message via text. 
Um, another uh, use of texting that I've seen that's very, very helpful is when two people are uh, rendezvousing and they can't find each other, texting one another saying, where are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, the, the last that I can think of is, uh, well, it, it's actually a variation on the surprise treat. It's a, I did say it earlier. It's when you really don't have time to email or talk, uh, but you want to connect momentarily or briefly. You know, I can understand each and every one of those points, and they're excellent points, David. But texting is now being used to avoid confrontation. For example, guys and gals breaking up with each other. Texting. Yes, exactly. Infid- or, or, inf- or texting to say, will you, uh, kids texting to each other mm-hmm. saying, will you, will you go out with me? Will you, will you um, go steady? They're, they're equivalent to going steady today. How do you do that through text? I, you know, I don't know. And another thing that texting is being pointed to is infidelity. People mm-hmm. are people are going on to these dating sites, creating a virtual reality of their life. And instead of you know going onto the computer and doing their little sneaky emails, now they're getting the other parties to text the messages. And I, you know, what exactly I, they call it sexting. I don't know where people's minds are, and I find nothing more aggravating is when I go to a restaurant with my wife. We're sitting Mm -hmm. down, enjoying our meal, and you just can't help but look at other people sometimes. Yes. And you see these people, four people sitting at a table in a restaurant, not talking to each other, but texting other people. I know. It's amazing to watch, isn't it? Like, what's going on with society? We, we've we got serious problems. Yeah, and uh, I think we can, uh, we can only get so far by focusing our attention on the symptoms, uh, and at some point we have to fo- refocus our attention on the sources, on the causes. But do we know what the causes are, Doctor? Well, do we know what the causes are? No, I don't think we know for sure. I think that we have some good guesses and some intelligent... Mm-hmm. Uh, conjecture. Uh, But I think that when we're in a society in which the stress levels are so high that that most people just try to figure out a way to cope with or manage uh, with or survive through their day, rather than focusing on uh, on how do I flourish and how do I live my day from my authenticity and my passion and uh, and in a loving, integrious way, uh, then what we're setting up in, a, in our society is a, um, a motivation to anesthetize, a motivation to numb out, uh, a motivation to avoid contact because contact is painful or is conflict-ridden um, or because I never learned how to be in real relationship with someone because I, uh, I grew up too isolated, mm-hmm. uh, too wrapped up in video games and the Internet and email and texting. But it, but is texting going to solve these problems, or are they just going to make them worse? For example, if we take the example of some, somebody who has never had the opportunity of learning how to communicate with someone, putting a, a texting unit in their hand is just going to keep that problem at the place it is, whereas if they were forced to communicate with people, they might actually grow out of this fear of communicating and become a communicator. 
You know, we've heard stories in both directions about that over the years. For example, uh, kids who that now we're go- what I'm about to say goes back decades mm-hmm. and decades, but uh, back back in the day, kids who refused to really learn how to read or pick up a book. Uh, a teacher finally uh, decided, you know, I'm going to get this kid interested in, in reading by giving the kid comic books. Mm-hmm. And the comic books became the gateway into real reading. Uh, so could texting be used as a gateway into literacy? Yeah, it could. Is it going to be? Well, not often enough. All right. Now, how could texting lead to literacy? You lost me on that one. Well, if somebody uh, is is refusing to write at all, mm-hmm. if they're if they're not writing at all, then the question from an educational point of view becomes: What's the gateway? What's the doorway that I can open that could potentially spark this person's passion enough to really start learning how to write? Could texting be used as that gateway? I think in concept it could be. Will it be used that way? I really don't know. But I could see theoretically that it could be. Yeah, I I can see that as well. If the person who was using the texting as a tool to, uh, to literacy would use all the proper grammar, all the proper words. But when you're using all these abbreviations, is that really helping? No, except if if I if I've got a strategy, if mm-hmm. I'm starting with the abbreviations, yeah. and I'm going then from the abbreviations to the full words, and then I'm going from the full words to saying, you know, we're trying to communicate more than we can do through texting. Let's go to email. Let's let's communicate more by email, and then oh, let's write letters to each other, uh, or. You know, if, you, if you're doing it in a stepwise manner, then you could use just about anything as a gateway into higher learning. Who's ultimately gaining the most out of all of this? Is it the user? Is it the company that supplies the, the, um, the service? Or is it the government who's responsible for licensing? I think who's gaining the most out of all of this is uh, those in our society who have a vested interest in keeping the masses, excuse me, Mm -hmm. as dumbed down as possible. You know, there's an ad here in our local viewing area uh, that is for a, a cell phone service. Now, if you're on disability, if you're on food stamps, if you're receiving assistance, you will get this cell phone free plus 500 minutes free each and every month if you meet the qualifications. Then for $20 extra, I'm sorry, for so much extra you get another 250 minutes, and for a little bit extra you get 1,000 minutes a month plus 1,000 text messages. Mm -hmm. If you have a mom and dad with three kids who are out there working their butts off, they have three kids... They can't afford three cell phones with three different packages. So you see yeah. this on TV where if you're on welfare, disability, or food stamps, you can get a free cell phone. What's that telling the people who are viewing this ad who are not able to receive a cell phone because mom and dad are working and they're not on food stamps, they're not on welfare, they're not on disability? It's feeding a 
an attitude of entitlement in our society. And you and I, I have talked in the mm-hmm. past about what I call entitlement disorder, and people thinking that uh, that they that they should just have whatever they want to have without having to work for it. And it's a it's a dynamic that's really causing huge damage in our society. And I unfortunately do believe that there are specific individuals in powerful roles in the world who are terrified of the masses becoming intelligent enough so that they can think for themselves and are very happy to support any um, development, any technological development or any other social engineering strategy that will prevent people from developing critical thinking skills and really being full participants in society and in government. We've talked about cell phones, we've talked about texting, and um, what is your opinion, once again, as, 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 as a psychologist and the author of The New IQ, How Integrity Intelligence Serves You, Your Relationships in Our World, when it comes to video games, violent video games? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm absolutely opposed to violent video games uh, because even though... I absolutely also know that there are certain well-balanced individuals who will play those kinds of games in very uh, small amounts mm-hmm. and won't really be damaged by, uh, by playing them. The creation of those kinds of games opens the door for all the abuse of those games that's, that's actually very rampant. And I do believe that, uh, that, that using those games teaches people, teaches impressionable children the same sort of thing that watching violence on television and in movies teaches children, which is that it's okay to behave in those ways. Uh, and all they have to do is look around them and read the newspaper to see that the, that the news actually reflects what's going on in those games. So they grow up with this distorted sense of ethics, personal responsibility, integrity, social responsibility, all of those things get distorted in them. I would imagine a fine example would be this past weekend with the, the gunning down of of people in Tucson, Arizona, which led to six dead, including a nine-year-old little girl and um, Congressman Congresswoman Gifford being in the hospital. Yes, and a uh, a very well regarded, a highly well regarded federal judge yes. uh, being among the dead too. Uh, and it's just it, it's just incredibly. <laughs> heartbreaking to see that kind of thing go on and um, and to see that sort of thing happening as a result of, uh, of um, political um, in inability to think things through politically I mean if you read the the meanderings of the of this guy who uh, who apparently shot all these folks he's uh, he, he doesn't think clearly I mean his his political ramblings were all over the political spectrum. He had no, showed me no evidence, his writing showed me no evidence of his ability to think in a cogent, clear way. So I think that his thought process was very, very distorted. And yet he was able to get a gun legally. Absolutely. Not just a gun, but a a gun that uh, that takes um, Extended clips. large magazines yeah. of, uh, of, um, of bullets for rapid-fire shooting. So, uh, yeah, we had uh, no problem getting a gun. What Um, is the fixation with people 
with weapons, or especially handguns, what is the rationale behind anyone wanting to keep a weapon like this or having access to a weapon like this? Well, in the United States, there's this theme, this thread of, um, uh, of, of pioneer mentality and self-defense and uh, the right to protect one's own property. And, uh, and there are th- statements that are built into the U.S. Constitution mm-hmm. that guarantee the right to bear arms. Now, the debate is really a debate that uh, that happens on multiple levels, uh, ranging from don't uh, don't interfere with my personal freedom, and I'm I'm going to view the gun issue purely as a, fr- a personal freedom man- uh, issue, rather than uh, considering guns in a broader context. Then there are other people who are saying it's not just simply personal freedom it's my right to defend myself in a fundamentally lawless society where i don't trust the law enforcement and i don't trust government and i don't trust others to uh... to watch out for me i have to watch out for myself david stand by bud you and i have to take our final break for this hour dr david gruder sure. is our guest www.thenewiq.com we'll continue this topic on the other side of this break don't go away Dr. David Gruder is our special guest this hour. He's the author of The New IQ, How Integrity Intelligence Serves You, Your Relationships, and Our World. His website is www.thenewiq.com. As a mental health professional, uh, David, do you think that there should be certain screening procedures put in place in order to weed out the people who have psychological problems from acquiring weapons? Well, I like the sound of that. I think that uh, the the complications that are involved in that are are pretty significant in the sense of mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you do that screening uh, and who's going to do that screening and is that going to be in yet another level of government um, bureaucracy that's going to require more taxpayer money and uh, I mean it, it's it's a very it it seems like a simple question but it's got complicated implications. Um, and oh, and then of course, as a mental health professional, the most complicated of all of the implications is our limitations as mental health professionals in accurately predicting future violence. I mean, the best predictor of future violence is past violence, but mm-hmm. predicting the first episode of violence is a very um, unreliable thing. I would imagine the, and this is only my opinion, it doesn't reflect anybody else's, that if I was in government, I would suggest that a database be accessible to the law enforcement agencies who were responsible for issuing the permits when it comes to firearms. Uh, the ATF, the FBI, and other uh, law enforcement agencies that prior to being allowed to go to the store and pick up the weapon or 
prior to even getting the weapon that this person be screened through this database. But then you're going to have the people on the other side of the fence, the privacy advocates, who are saying, well, you know, the government uh, has too much access as it is. Why give them more? My opinion is the more information that they have when it comes to averting actions like happened in Tucson, Arizona last Saturday, I'm all for it. What's your opinion? Yeah, my my opinion is uh, is that I would I I always look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. uh, for better and for worse, Rob. And sometimes it's for worse. Okay. Uh, but uh, but the bigger picture for me is uh, the question of what steps can we take in order to reduce violence in the first place. What are we doing wrong as a society that that facilitates and promotes violence? And what steps can we take to uh, to raise children and educate children in a different kind of way? Well, if we could come up with a system where whack jobs and nut bars wouldn't have access to weapons legally or illegally, I think that would be a right step, the, the first biggest step in the right direction. Definitely. And then, of course, comes that question uh, again that we mm-hmm. raised a moment ago, which is how do you accurately discriminate the, the nut jobs who... Uh, would be true dangers to themselves and society if they had a firearm from those who wouldn't. And uh, and so I think mm-hmm. if we're really going to take a step in that direction, then funding needs to be set aside for developing a truly high reliability, valid um, testing mechanism, uh, doable, implementable testing mechanism that uh, that can discern that David, I hate to do this, question. my friend, but we've just run out of time. Thanks very much for joining us, oh. ExoNation, Dr. David Gruder, www.thenewiq.com. I'll be back after the news at six and a half minutes past the hour. Don't go away.